cannabis sales were $5.7 billion in 2015. Cannabis industry is valued at $22.8 billion by 2020. In 1996, there wasn't a single dispensary in the U.S. In 2016, there are 25 states that have legalized medical marijuana. Welcome to the Cannabis Business Minds podcast, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. Hello, Cannabis Business Minds. I am so sorry for the delay in episodes. I think that the the fact is absolutely accurate that if you're in cannabis, the time is like dog years. Days feel like they just pass by so quickly. And you, if you want to tackle everything, it's just hard to, to maintain consistency. So I'm so sorry, but I have an excuse. Um, we've been really busy on Calagia, uh, getting some things into our platform to help people that are looking for jobs. Uh, um, and just to really hone in and connect cannabis business professionals. But more importantly, and what I've been super pumped up about is that we launched the official 10-day de-schedule cannabis challenge uh, this week. And it's an ongoing challenge, but really the whole opportunity arose after August 11th, um, 2016, when the DEA announced that they decided not to change the scheduling of cannabis. And we asked all of our, you know, all of our members, we asked, um, all of our followers on social media, like, what are you thinking about this? And it was just overwhelming the response that we got about just, you know, patient stories, people that were in states that it was completely, you know, still uh, prohibited. And just you could see through the conversations on social media and through messaging that people like wanted to do something about it. And, you know, we thought as a group, like we have to challenge, we have to challenge the DEA, we have to, you know, spread awareness, not only to the cannabis community, but to the general population of, you know, of this plant, of this industry. So I'm super pumped about this. I mean, we've already had a ton of people sign the petition to the DEA. I encourage you if you're listening uh, and you care about this industry to look at, look at the challenge, see if you're up for it. Uh, it's free. It's not spammy. It's just super fun. And I, I've, I've actually had a, a good time on it. I might think I'm on day four right now of the challenge. Um, so if you want to find information, I'll put it in the show notes, but you can also just go to www.calagia.com slash or backslash DEA. Um, so hopefully you'll be as pumped as I am about that. But today's episode, what I really wanted to focus on were emerging trends that are happening in the cannabis industry, um, stuff that I've seen with my clients uh, in the last few months uh, doing consulting, CPA advisory work. But also, I was able to go to the Cannabis World Conference and Business Expo in Los Angeles last week, so the very beginning of September, I think September 13th, 9th or 10th. Um, and I wanted to just give an overview of this conference in case anybody missed it and, and wanted the highlights of it. I know that it's so hard to determine. I think one of the most emerging trends in the industry right now are these events, right? I mean, there's an event for everything. There's a conference for everything. There's a networking group for everything. And, you know, unfortunately they're very expensive. And if you're trying to do a startup and if you're trying to bootstrap um, a venture, you know, you might not have a lot of dollars for marketing or for, you know, I guess event attendance. I mean, some of these are going at like a hundred to $600 a pop. So I think 
think it's really important to know which ones are the best and and how do you choose. Um, for myself, I really would I would really suggest and advise you have to figure out what your goal is. Is your goal education? Is it networking? Is it information and learning sessions? I mean, this really this really matters in your evolution of the cannabis industry. Um, and then the next thing I would definitely evaluate is like what is the ROI? You know, will you if you're trying to get new customers like you know definitely have a strategic plan if you're just trying to get information then absolutely if you can't find it elsewhere um and then again just looking at what your total events budget is for the whole year uh i've some of my favorite events definitely are like the ncia event in oakland um that's always in june love ncia and then also some events that i'm super pumped up for if you're looking for you know business information networking a ton of exhibitors to understand the information um there's a show in vegas that um i'll have to put the link to my bio because i don't know exactly what it's called but it's the big vegas show in november and then international ones oh my gosh i'm going again this year i'm going to be speaking uh canifest in Prague is amazing. Uh, I think it's the the largest international cannabis uh, exposition that there is. Um, there's a lot of cannabis consumers there, um, uh, but the vendors and just the discussions there, uh, it's just fantastic if you're really trying to get some information on you know, uh, CBD, I mean, CBD is rich, uh, hemp is rich in the Czech Republic. So it's just, it's fantastic. Um, but I wanted to give you right now an overview of the conference that I actually attended. I'll give you a little bit of recap and give you some information on, you know, some of the trends that, that were emerging there. So you, so I can give you some insight. Um, so the, the cannabis world conference, it was formed really, I think a few years ago, really to help people interested in exploring the idea of getting into the cannabis industry to provide a framework work for those in the cannabis industry to grow and expand their business. And it was also provided to provide that networking, um, for professionals in the industry. I think that is the main focus um, for a lot of the people that are going to these events is they just want to find those connections and they don't know how. Uh, for me, it was interesting. It was my year anniversary of of going to that event. I had gone in 2015, and you know it was interesting seeing a lot of the same attendees. But what is so what was so powerful for me was seeing some of the attendees and hearing what they had to say that were now speakers that had had really hustled so hard and so you know. You're so strategic, I would assume, uh, to be able to not know really much going in 2015 and really, you know, pursuing their vision, following a strategy and being able to discuss how they are leading the business. Um, I think this is evidence to how young this industry is, how nimble it is and how you can definitely make a mark in it. So I think that was definitely the one of the most impressive uh, aspects of it. Uh, what else did I really like about it? I loved that there was some great info, info sessions on um, on diversity, on investing, and really kind of just the evolution of certain technologies. Uh, the main key, key, keynote speaker was Montel Williams, and we'll exert a little clip uh, of him speaking. Uh, Montel Williams, he's a patient uh, and has actually used medical cannabis for, I think, almost 20 plus years because he has MS. And to hear his story and to hear his fight and to hear you know, his actual challenge to this new cannabis professional of you need to really remember why we're all here. And this is first and foremost, a plant that is serving medicinal. Um, I think that's very, very fascinating. And I'm still suffering today from my opioid use 16 years ago. 
I was blessed. I had one of my doctors, who was really the one that actually diagnosed me after I went and saw a clown that I wanted to sweat. I went to Harvard. Saw one of the best doctors in this country. That was Dr. Oleg. He was the second man in charge at Harvard at the time. But Dr. Oleg was the only one that said to me, listen to me, I'll tell you. I'm put you on this medication. I, you got to stop this over here. Yeah? Honestly, the complaints that you're making is because you're taking too much. I suggest, I heard about this. You didn't hear it from me. But I know some people who have, in your position, that are using marijuana. And they're achieving some similar results in pain cessation. Won't make it go away, but it might help. Thought about it, thought about it. I'm right at 20 years in the military, folks. I got tested every seven months. I had, I had all the highest clearances this country has to offer. I was a special duty intelligence officer. I got to do policy. I studied Russian. I was part of the Russian bear attack. Held our highest clearances. They tested us with drugs almost every five months before and post deployment. I didn't touch a drug for 22 years. Started in the television industry, I might have dabbled once. I got a party and there's five other stuff you're sitting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the day he said that to me, I went, wow, that's really weird. He said, let me tell you something. You can't use this like a recreational person. I understand the little research I've done. You need to really make sure you saturate your fatty tissue with cannabinoids. Back then, this is 2000. Now, we had just realized that there was something called CBD that our federal government had funded, by the way, but let's get on that later. <laughs> we had CBD, we had THC. People were saying, well, you know what, you need to do more of this, more of that. Nobody really knew. But what I did start doing back in 2000 is I started consuming somewhere between 200 to 400 milligrams of cannabinoids a day. Every day. I, right now, there are times that I can consume up to 600 milligrams in a day and walk in here and do a speech. I've already consumed probably about 150, 200, maybe 220. I won't need a note at all. And why? Because the truth of the matter is, when you look at cannabinoids and we understand what this is about, this is truly, folks, a medication. So I'm so happy and blessed to be here talking to people who are soon to be I'm just going to quote from something that he wrote in a press release because he just launched a company. I'm proud to announce the formation of Lenative Scientific and the development of Lenative Labs product line. With the issue of full legalization dominating the conversation, it's critical not to forget patients who have specific needs with respect to cannabis, including strains that might be less profitable in the marketplace. The mission of Lenative Scientific is to ensure that seriously ill individuals like myself have access to the medicine they need. And this is really fundamental. And this is, I want to say, one of the major shifts that I'm seeing actually in the industry. Uh, We've discussed several times that this is an international industry and coach. Costa Rica, it was all about medicine. In Israel, it's all about medicine. And, you know, I mean, rumors or not rumors, but definitely there are pharmaceutical practices, there are patents that are happening, GW Pharmaceuticals. I mean, this is a medicinal market and a recreational market absolutely can exist, but we have to remember that people, patients are looking for something to help them, right? And and to understand that it's very fundamental in how standard operating procedures, how lab testing will be conducted, and how regulated markets are really going to be working. Uh, when we look into 
the licensing procedures in even in California we're we're coming to regulation is that you need to have very well documented standard operating procedures of the different types of lab testing right and how you're going to ensure that you have a quality product and you have a quality uh, medicine to provide your patients so it goes along with you know quality control lab testing and then if you look at the standards that these labs are going to have to abide by I mean we're talking about ISO certifications right so this I mean in California I think we've always been a little bit forward and then also behind on regulation but that is definitely a trend that we're seeing uh, one of the other topics and this is probably one of the the most impactful for myself I was on um I was in a group about uh, discussions about diversity. Uh, the Los Angeles cannabis industry has a serious equality problem. Um, even though it's the largest consumer base in the world, when you look, A, about the licensing and I guess the lack of currently, but also who's dominating this market, uh, it's not really, it really doesn't match the current population of Los Angeles. And this diversity aspect is actually all throughout the cannabis industry in the United States and discussing how minorities and, you know, people of color, women uh, are able to really enter into this market strategically and and to be able to uh, to grow successfully. And really the solutions from the panel, I mean, it was more of an open conversation is just really you need to continue to fight. You need to continue to be strategic and gather together in in power of numbers and really challenge the status quo. Because as I mentioned, this industry still is very nimble and to enable minorities to be part of that because so many minorities have gone to jail for cannabis. uh, It's only just and fair. The city of Oakland has a fantastic a requirement while they are applying for licensing, in my opinion, it's fantastic, uh, to allow for those that have been incarcerated to be able to apply and actually have incarcerated for cannabis, uh, to actually have uh, an ability to apply for the license. So definitely, you know, now in this industry, beyond just, oh, how can you produce the best yields? Like, how can we make money? How can we invest? There are certain topics that are coming to the table that are really similar to any other industry. So I really appreciated that. And then another another fascinating panel was the supercharge of branding. Uh, we've mentioned several times that this, I mean, where the industry is going, yes, medicinally, absolutely, uh, recreationally or adult use, absolutely, is that this cannabis consumer is evolving where, you know, let's take a state like Oregon or Colorado, you, a consumer, let's take an adult use state, a consumer goes into a dispensary and they, you know, the dispensary isn't shady. They don't feel like they're going to be arrested. It's beautiful. It's immaculate. Maybe it even looks like Tiffany's, depending on what dispensary it is. But the point is they're going in, they're feeling okay about it, and they're having a shopping experience. And when you have that shopping experience, the first thing that somebody wants to do is they want to look at branding and they want to identify like, oh, I love that. I'm just thinking because I've been using the bloom pen. Oh, I love that bloom pen. Or um, I really love that farm in Southern Oregon. Um, And they identify with that. And so this concept of branding, albeit it's very difficult in the cannabis industry, because if you are a cannabis operator and, you know, spending a ton of money in marketing, you really can't deduct that. 
per 280E, but notwithstanding, let's forget that, that this is truly evolving where, you know, we talked about it, I think in episode four with Granny Smith Organics is that you really need to understand who your target market is and then brand and cater towards them, similar to any other industry. So if you haven't thought about that, and if you're already a cannabis operator, I highly suggest like really understanding not why your brand, and this could be actually any type of business, myself included, like why your brand is better, but why is your brand unique and how can you cater and provide strategic innovation to those cannabis consumers or your customers, whoever they might be, if you're ancillary, that's going to set you apart, right? Uh, I think that because this industry is so exciting and so new. Everybody wants to get into it and that's great. But as we see, and I'm going to segue into this actually segues perfectly is that there is a market cap, right? And, and just like any natural growth progression of any type of industry, how does one company become bigger with investing capital? Okay. For sure. But what type of capital is that? And this is actually a huge trend that's evolving right now are are mergers and acquisitions, right? You know, if I'm doing something so amazing right now, but I only have, you know, limited resources to match or to meet a certain whatever geography, customer base, et cetera. And I don't necessarily have the cash to do anything uh, beyond that. One of the trends we're definitely seeing are mergers and acquisitions. Um, I think it's a fantastic trend. Unfortunately, um, studies have shown not through this industry, but other industries that, you know, you have to do a merger and acquisition absolutely correctly. I'm not talking about the accounting here. I'm talking about the vision and the strategy. And, you know, you, you ultimately have these two very different, different companies if you're doing a merger or an acquisition, right? Companies, founders, egos, processes, um, roles that you really have to integrate those very tactfully to be successful. Uh, but that's definitely a trend that we're, we're seeing in the industry. And, um, one of the other things that we're seeing just talking about investment. So, um, for myself, I've been, you know, definitely looking at a lot of due diligences for clients, but then also on the other hand, I've been working with a lot of clients trying to raise money, right. Uh, for investment. And, you know, last year, even no invest, it was very hard for investors to really want to touch the cannabis plants, right. Federally illegal to ADE burden. Like how are they going to get a really good return? Especially when certain states have to act as a not for profit and, you know, an investor wants a percentage of the pie. So what we were seeing in the industry, and I said, and clearly we still see it, I would suggest even doing it, it are these, you know, debt, debt agreements, right? Debt with a higher interest, maybe a debt to equity conversion. And what do I mean by that for those people? Like, what does that mean? Um, a debt would be like, hey, you know what? Um, somebody comes up to me. They're like, hey, Simone, I'd love for you to invest in my company. I'm growing and uh, maybe isn't zoned accordingly, or but it's going to be. And there's still a lot of uncertainty and risk. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to. I'll go and invest uh, into your company, but I'll do that through a loan. Uh, and, you know, depending on the terms and the conditions, you're going to have to pay me back in six months, a year, 
you name it, at a X percentage uh, of interest. And from an investor, um, that is much more safe uh, because, well, let's say that company that they were investing in were to go under, hopefully not, but go under, right? Well, they would be, uh, because if you think about their balance sheet, they would, debt gets paid off first, right? Like if you, if somebody has, if somebody has to go through bankruptcy, like they have to go or a company, you know, is, has to dissolve. They have to look at what are their most current and, um, their current debts that they're required to pay. And through a loan at a higher interest rate, that investor would probably have a better bet of recouping their funds. But what's interesting now is that there are several... Uh, there are several agreements, and actually they were discussing this at Viridian Capital, based in New York, uh, about how now investors are much more likely to want uh, some equity. And uh, that's that's a very intriguing um, observation to know that, again, this industry is definitely gaining much more mass uh, and mainstream support than than uh, it traditionally was. Um, then I wanted to talk to you. So those were like the main highlights of the, the Cannabis Expo for myself. Again, it was great networking um, opportunities for, for me. Um, we were able to, oh, one other thing I wanted to say is that we were able to go to, they have all these other available workshops normally at uh, Expo events. And uh, there was an investment workshop. There was, um, if you wanted to buy or purchase a cannabis business workshop. And then the last day on Saturday, there was grow a bright future. There was a cannabis career fair and we were able to participate, uh, for Calogia in this career fair. And again, it's very interesting to know, like, who are these people that are evolving and wanting jobs and are looking for jobs in the cannabis industry. And again, they come from very, you know, traditional industries that are looking to make some type of move in, into the cannabis realm and the type of move that they're looking, Oh, maybe somebody's good at marketing and they want to get into the marketing space, former bus drivers, former security guards, uh, you name it really. And the fascinating thing to me is that it's becoming more mainstream, right? And so if this is indicative uh, right now, even before California hopefully passes um, the adult use in November, gosh, I wonder what it's going to be even in six months, right? So those that are listening, hey, kudos on you because you're already involved in the cannabis industry. But some of the other trends that I just wanted to talk about quickly before we wrap up this episode are some of the trends that I'm seeing actually with clients. And maybe it's going to be a little bit repetitive of what I already mentioned, uh, but I definitely want to to shed some light on that. Uh, the biggest thing is cannabis pricing. And this is, you know, not necessarily that the clients are foreseeing this, but I guess it's just uh, data. If you're in cultivation and you think about supply and demand, you have to realize that price is variable and very much fluctuates, right? Um, so I would suggest to anybody, if if you're really looking into getting into the cultivation space, and I would probably assume actually manufacturing as well, but not as much, is that cannabis is a commodity. Cannabis will be treated, not yet, but very soon, like any other commodity, but at a, at a higher and more valuable rate, right? Um, the more supply there is, and if it if it exceeds demand, the lower the price is going to go. This is basic economics. And one of the most insightful things that I was able to see um, through a website called Cannabis Benchmarks, I'll put it in the show notes. I found them. I'm obsessed. 
um, is the price of indoor grow in California. And this was as of July. I, should, I need to look at the updates in August or no, in September. Um, in January 2016, the price of indoor grow was above 2000. I think it was like 2387, right? July 2016, it's dropped to about 1873. That's significant, right? And this is clearly, I mean, it's a spot. If you do something organic, if you have different procedures, if you have a stronger brand, maybe you can charge a higher price point. But that is a definite trend that I'm seeing that should be noted. The fact that that a price, you know, if you're anticipating, especially if you're working like with investors or whatever, if you're anticipating price increases or, you know, or even price remaining the same, you might be a little bit mistaken. Uh, again, we've seen definitely trends in mergers and acquisitions, a huge and very fundamental uh, strategy for growth hacking. The cannabis professional is emerging even more. Uh, oh, and, and we talked about it a little bit with CannaFest, but the international cannabis industry, uh, it's been actually discussed now. It was one of the panel sessions in the Career Expo, which was fantastic. Uh, and just discussing not only the opportunities, but that there is a demand. It's much more beyond just the United States. All right. Well, I think that was it. Our next episode is not going to be me. It's going to be some fantastic uh, information from, well, it's a surprise. All right. I'll take, take care and I hope you enjoyed the show. All right. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope you liked today's episode. If you haven't already, go on over to Calagia.com to connect with me and the other business professionals in the cannabis community. Also, if you like this, please go into iTunes and add the Cannabis Business Mind podcast to your iTunes account and would love it if you could leave us a five-star review. Talk to you guys next week. 